Hello and welcome to Wing Quest episode 313. I am your host, Spider Wheels, and with me, as always, Swooping away across the Spider-Verse, David McCartney, Family Master. And it's the Nintendo Direct Week. That means we got Hooray! to talk about. Yay! Yep. Also, Gaijin will likely not be able to join us this week. Yes. So. Wish, wish him well. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, let's go down uh, some of this stuff. How do you feel about Detective Pikachu? Uh, I didn't never really played the first game, but the movie was great. Oh, here's Detective Pikachu. That's what they should call it, but that's not what they're calling it. I think it's just called Detective Pikachu Returns. I appreciate that pun. They should have called it Detective Pikachu. I agree. I'm just saying. Okay. Uh, I, I just wanted to pull up something that I don't think either of us was like super jazzed about, but it was kind of neat to see. Like yeah. they promised that like four years ago. So yeah, I mean, I'll play. It. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I like Pikachu. Um, Pikmin 1 and 2, that was a shadow drop. That just happened. guess uh, I should play those, maybe. Eventually. How do you feel about RTS games? It depends. I mean, they're good RTS games, but like they're also very weird ones. Uh, uh, that's probably more up my alley than like a generic, straightforward one, to be honest. Yeah, they they have like Lara because like, like they're exploration based. That sounds pretty um, cool, actually. Yeah, so like you're you're going around like the first one really does a good service to like the core concept that all of them are either iterating on or messing with. But like you've got you you crash land on this weird planet. You've got. 30 days to get enough parts of your rocket back together and into your rocket uh, in order to escape without, you know, running out of air and dying. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, you have to be making reasonably, like, like you know, it's not a super hard game, but you do have to be making uh, be making good use of your time and uh, exploring uh, in order to find all those ship parts, because that's the real thing that uh, determines your progress in the game. Hmm. So it's it's a good one. Uh, I think that I don't know how much they are individually, but that's probably like twenty bucks. So uh, it, it's neat. Uh, uh, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon coming to Switch. Which uh, I'm I'm, I'm fine with there. 3DS games. I'm fine with 3DS games not being confined to the 3DS and dying. Yeah, that's an uh, easier one to port because it didn't really do much with the second screen didn't do much with the second screen you could probably uh make a lot of reuse of luigi's mansion 3 assets yeah so but like my my true dream is link between worlds that needs to come back yes uh, that that deserves to not be stuck but you know it's nice to see you know that get rescued it's a it's a really good game so yeah, I somehow uh, played a lot of the multiplayer. Oh really yeah, good. that'll be neat. Yeah. Uh, Vampire Survivors on Switch. I admit, I kind of thought it already was. Uh, it was not, and this version is going to have couch co-op. Yeah, which is neat. Um, now the trailer for the new Sonic game. Still very sad that that seems to be couch co-op only. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, but yeah, I'm mostly trying to hit the stuff the 
we are amused enough by, but not super uh, into. Uh, Sparks of Hope DLC. Uh, you know, that was a good game. Always good to have more of it. Uh, the There's a new 3D platformer that seems to be from some of the people that made Sonic Mania. Yeah, it looked really uh, good. Yeah, Penny's Big Breakaway, I think. Yeah, not coming until early yeah. next year, but looks really fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I've got my ears pricked up just by virtue of who's working on it. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I think that hits most of the stuff that we would want to bring up but don't have a lot of things to say about. Like, Oh, yeah, more, a, a new WarioWare that's a successor to the Wii one. It's interesting. Uh, Move, move it looks a lot like smooth moves uh, from uh, from near the Wii's launch early 2007. So that's that's one that there hasn't been anything quite like since. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll hit one that I care a lot about because I'm a sicko. Uh, they confirmed like Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume One was confirmed for Switch. That's no, normal people care about that. Yeah. Also confirmed was the NES version of Metal Gear 1 and Metal Gear 2 Snake's Revenge. A game so unbeloved by all that people working on it before it released spoke to Kojima and said, you have to make your own version of Metal Gear 2. You need to make like an actual one. <laughs> like That is why Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake happened. Uh, it has never been re-released it has, for the most part, never been acknowledged again. Uh, I'm very jazzed that in 2023 that gets to come out again. Uh, it's not It's not an amazing game. It's not as bad as that sounds. Uh, but it's very interesting as a historical curio. Uh, but let's, let's hit something that I don't think any of us expected. Uh, Dragon Quest Monsters to Dark Prince? Yes. Uh, this was a double, perhaps triple shock. You uh, must shock. Uh, firstly, that it's there's no wait for a localization. It's coming out yeah, globally. And it's coming out globally this fucking year. Also, it's based on, like, you, your protagonist seems to be Sorrow from... <laughs> Dragon Quest Four. Yes. Like, this, this was a game I wasn't. I, I was expecting a new DQM eventually because that's not a brand they're going to give up on. And just because Treasures didn't work out as a monsters game didn't mean they didn't want a monsters game. But I didn't expect it. Seemingly, essentially, the second that Treasures stopped being a monsters game, they turned. They had someone else make one. Yeah. But it looks really nice. Yeah. It's Dragon Quest Monsters. What more do you want? Yeah. Also, apparently the official title in Japan is Dragon Quest Monsters 3. Which is kind of That a is an interesting called shot as well. Yes. Uh, that's, that's basically saying sweep all the other ones off the table. Caravan Heart and the Joker games. This is a sequel to Dragon Quest Monsters 1 and 2. Yep. Which is an interesting move. Uh, I'm curious how they intend to back that up, but uh, 
you know, it's 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 quite a claim to make. Uh, we got the Persona Five Tactica trailer that uh, assured us that it is getting a physical release on Switch. Yes, it looks adorable. I still um, can't remember if that was already confirmed for Switch beforehand or if this was the official announcement. This was confirmed for Switch beforehand. Okay. Uh, no word on Persona 3 Reload or Metaphor Refantasio. I would suspect that if those end up on a Nintendo platform, it will be the next one. Yeah, probably. Uh, but, I mean, I could totally see Atlas doing that. So, yeah. Hope Springs Eternal. Um, and then... Oh, baby. Oh, wait. Before we get to the things that I truly love, there's uh, something that I am... Uh, fascinated by them attempting which is uh, Batman Arkham Trilogy yes a port we'd hoped for but I assumed was dead and it doesn't appear to be a cloud versions yeah there's a, there's an eShop there is an eShop listing and every other cloud version says cloud version in it yeah so presumably that's something that nintendo says like if you're going to put it on eShop, you have to say that it's the cloud version mm. uh but yeah batman arkham trilogy i could see myself playing arkham asylum and arkham city again i liked those games uh i wasn't over the moon about them like some people but i liked them and uh i find them uh you know those should port fairly cleanly. I would assume they're not using Return to Arkham as a base, but I don't know. Uh, that version would be much harder to port for a multitude of reasons. Yeah. Although this this version would not be easy to port anyway because it's a UE3 game. So, you know, who knows? Uh, but Maybe, then... Yeah, they do not use the Return... I don't think it says Return to Arkham anywhere, so I don't... Sure. It doesn't seem to be... It's unclear what versions they're using. I didn't look closely enough at the trailer to, like, check for anything. The buzz that I saw online made it sound like they're not using Return to Arkham. Hmm. But I don't know if they've said one way or the other. The really wild thing for this is going to be Arkham Knight. Hmm. That game ran well on nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like, that game ran bad on PS4. It ran bad on Xbone. It ran so bad on PC that they recalled it. Uh... I have no idea. I, I'd very much love to know who they contracted to do this, who had the appetite for this. Like, this seems nightmarish to attempt. Um, so that's fun. I think the the most laughable thing I saw is uh, when I saw, like, coverage of the Direct, I saw, some, like, one side had listed, like, oh, this, is, this will be disappointing for those who are hoping for a Switch version of Suicide Squad. And it's like, you are addressing a cumulative negative 14 people. <laughs> like, I don't think there was there is a single person jazzed about that game that would want a Switch version. I don't know that there's a lot of people jazzed about that game to begin with. Not really, no. Like, I don't think that there's anyone who looked at who looked at this and was like, "Ah, oh, damn! I wish this had been a Suicide Squad port to the Switch." <laughs> I don't think there's I don't think that human being exists. Mm. They are strictly they're a, an implausible uh, concept. But yeah, I'm intellectually very fascinated at the idea of what on earth the Arkham <laughs> Arkham Knight is going to look like on Switch. I want to see what that looks like. Um, Maybe it'll be like Skyrim and be this weird. Like best of version. 
I mean, that, it did that not. Would be something. Yeah, like I feel like best case scenario, we get something like The Witcher Three, yeah. where because of very skillful porting and very careful uh, tucking back of certain uh, elements of the visual presentation, you get something that looks good, not as good as the other versions, but good, but which, because of all the other optimizations, ends up kind of running more smoothly because of it. Mm. And, you know, that might be optimistic. Like, I would consider that the best case scenario. Uh, is, is something like The Witcher 3 on Switch, which is a very impressive game. I would have um, just preferred they bring a, give us Origins as the third game. I, I know you would have. <laughs> um, but let's see. Uh, but that would be much less fascinating. It's true. It's true. <laughs> okay. Um, Pokemon DLC. Yes. That looks fun. Looks cool. Uh, not much. To, not much else no, to say about it, other than it looks like more Pokemon yeah. Scarlet Violet. I really like those. Those were some of my always, favorite games. Like. I always think it's coming out sooner than it is, which is not really soon. September, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. it's basically it's basically the third version for those games. They yeah. just don't sell you a fucking cartridge anymore and say, "Here's where all the new content lives." Uh, not that they won't eventually sell you a complete edition cartridge, yeah, but they sure did that for Sword and Shield. And I mean, I, I appreciate that they do that. Yeah, I replaced my original copies with those. Yeah, because it's nice just like, have. oh, hey, here's the version that will live forever. Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, okay, now now for the moment I have been waiting for. Uh, Star Ocean Second Story R. Hmm? Oh, not Gloomhaven coming to Switch? No, I don't play board games. Um, <laughs> Star Ocean Second Story R. Did yes. not expect. Uh... When I heard that trademark got filed, I assumed that it would be much like First Departure R, which was a perfectly fine uh, minor tweaks uh, upporting of First Departure. I expected that this would be a minor tweaks update of Second Evolution, and that is not what they have done. No, in fact, when that when the, like the trailer for that started, I. It was just like, oh yeah, you know, that's cool. We were getting this, and then it started to show gameplay, and I was just like, wait, what? 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 What, what have you actual, done? What the actual fuck am I looking at? This is uh, the first uh, HD two D remake based off a PS one game. Yeah, it and cool. It looks gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, like the original sprites, they're they're largely sticking to the original sprites because the original sprites were really good. There's there's really no need to tinker with those and it seems like they for the most part haven't. Uh, oh, we missed some stuff from Fire Miner here. Gotcha, gotcha. We should go back through real, uh, real quick after yeah, we're well, done talking about Star Ocean. Yeah, but uh, also relating to that, Fire Miner asks, do we know which uh, engine that the Star Ocean 2 remake uses? I'm not certain that we know what... Uh, I, I've never actually looked into what engine any of the HD2D games are, so I, I would not know. I think it's Unreal. It's probably just Unreal. Yeah. But I don't know that anything... I don't recall anything in that trailer indicating it, so who knows. Uh but presumably, since it's it looks a lot like the other HD 2D games, it's probably using the same engine. Uh, but yeah, uh, it it looked like mostly like you know the 
it, I definitely saw a ton of stuff that was recognizable. There's a lot of stuff that's uh, different in a mostly cosmetic sense. Like, your characters in your combat party actually follow you around on screen now, which was never how how Star Ocean worked at any point. Mm. Uh, but I, I kind of like it. Uh, I generally always like when my party's following me around. Uh, I accept that that often isn't technically feasible, but I like it. So, good to see. Uh, they seem to have made substantial uh, updates to the combat system. Uh, there's the ability to have uh, assists done by characters who are in your party, but not in the combat party. And uh, just general, like it looks like you have a lot more uh, options for doing combos and such uh, above and beyond even what you had in Second Evolution, which slightly tweaked the battle system, but mostly kept it the same. Uh, this looks uh, like... It looks like it's them updating the uh, the mechanics without changing the underlying structure. I was looking at like press releases and it was talking about like the crafting system and it sounds like it's kind of basically the same. I'm fine with that. I like the old game. Uh, I like how it wor worked. Uh, it was interesting to see some of the... Uh, like I could recognize basically every sequence in there even with the updated graphics. So it definitely is mostly the same game, which is mostly fine because uh, I'm all aboard for uh, Star Ocean 2 still being available. Um, the uh, PS4 and I believe Vita had an a quote-unquote update or remaster of Second Evolution that looks like absolute shit. Mm -hmm. uh, so thankfully, that's not the version we're getting. Um, oh, oh, the other thing I wanted to point out uh, they redid the character art again. Um, original Star Ocean 1 and 2 do not have uh, character portraits show up during dialogue. It's yeah. entirely just the sprites. Uh, first Departure and Second Evolution added character portraits, but in an extremely late aught style that clashed extremely with the profoundly 90s uh, aesthetic sensibilities <laughs> of those games. Uh, First Departure R had new character portraits that I think honestly fit the style of the game significantly better. And Second, uh, second Story R seems to be uh, doing, doing the same. We're like the, the, there's new character uh, portraits in an, a very different style that like still you wouldn't mistake for a 90s style, but it's not the extremely flat, clean, uh, minimal line work of Second Evolution. It's a lot more uh, sort of sketchy and detailed in a way that I feel fits the uh, style of the games a little better, even if it is not the same style they would have had in 1990, uh, 1999 or 2000. So in general, I was just kind of pleased to see those because I think they fit the tone better. Uh, but yeah, it looks really good, and it's getting physical release. I was so happy to see that. Yeah, that's, that's good. I, I was not sure whether I could expect that, but yeah, it's, it's up for pre-order on Amazon for Switch, PS4, and PS5. Nice. So that looks great. Uh, to hit some of Fireminer's questions, what other DQ spinoff that... Uh, what other DQ spinoffs have Square Enix not brought back anyway? We haven't seen a Terneco Mystery Dungeon in a Dog's Age. I think the last one, last DQ Mystery Dungeon we got was the Yangus one. Yeah. Hasn't been a slime and, game in a long time either. Yeah, hasn't been a slime moddy moddy since early in the 3DS lifespan like 10 years ago. 
just the two Dragon Quest heroes, but um, I think Koei Tecmo is busy with Nintendo at the moment, anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay. What other DQ? Uh, I just think of Arkham Knight as a sequel to the 32X Batman game. Also, Wheels, are you just choosing not to play a game? Oh, or... God. No, I forgot to switch over. Whoops. Okay. Uh, Whoops. God. I'm trying to think, like, what Batman... I remember Sega CD Batman game. I don't remember a 32X Batman game. Am I misremembering, or is Fireminer thinking of... Yeah, it probably was one. I don't remember it, though. There's only, like, 40 32X games. Or is... Batman, was there a 32X version of Batman forever? Did that even come out? Because, like, that would have been a game that... Okay, I'm seeing listings that claim that there was a 32X Batman forever that got cancelled. Yeah. And that would have been around the right time for that, but who can say? Um, I remember there's a lot of driving segments in the Sega CD version of... Oh, sweet, Oath of Elgana. Uh, Switchport. Oh, how is that? I assume good. Yeah, it's good. Uh, does it have English in it? Nope. Oh, that's a shame. I was hoping stealth English script, but no such luck. Yeah, hopefully hopefully they can find a way to get that version over yeah. here, but I have my doubts just because of the X-Seed issue. Yeah. Hi, Joe. Um, let's see, had a couple oh. more from Fireminer. It's astonishing that they haven't made a standalone Batmobile car combat game. The time to do that would have been approximately 1999. Uh especially after one of the most criticized elements of Arkham Knight was, God, I fucking hate this car. Mm -hmm. um, they, they went to a lot of trouble making the Batmobile like integral to that game, but also that meant that there were a lot of times where you were essentially doing an escort mission where you had to take your car somewhere. <laughs> you have hit this thing 620 times and not killed it. It's fine. It dies eventually. Okay, congrats. I don't know. I assume that made sense at the time. Yeah. You're doing something wrong if it's only doing one damage per hit. I think really. I think he's just fighting something a little too a little out of its depth. That too, yeah. Oh, that's right, this is Oath and Felgana. You can't just get Dogie to beat the shit out of things for you. Nope. Nope. <laughs> well, I is this getting a remake? This just got a switch port. Yes, Japan only. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Which is a shame, because it's got three soundtracks, and, oh boy, all of them are good. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Every East soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, this uh, this version has the, uh, it has the PC-98 soundtrack, it has the Both and Falgana soundtrack, and there's one more, I'm not sure which one it's using. Is it the Turbo CD version? That would be really good, because that's an amazing soundtrack. Um... Whatever, point is, the East, East is good. Um, uh, with Star Ocean 1 and Star Ocean 4 already getting remastered and Star Ocean 2 a remake, uh, the norm is now Tri-Ace ignoring Star Ocean 3's existence, right? I mean, they did do a PS4 quote-un-semi-remaster of Star Ocean 3. You just never heard of anyone playing it because it was Star Ocean 3. Also, is it really oh, up time? to Tri-Ace? Uh, it's not per se, although I would imagine that they get like some degree of courtesy consultation about these things. Yeah. 
but like I would imagine that they mostly get farmed out to other companies. I've never actually looked at the credits of the Star Ocean 4 remaster or anything like that to see what company may have actually produced them. But yeah, let's see. So second story R looking looking absolutely gorgeous. Very excited for that. And then uh oh, what was it? Uh, Mario. No, not yet. No Mario yet. <clears throat> Mario <Okay>. last. <laughs> okay, what do you want? Then there was Silent Hope, some weird Rune Factory spinoff from. Wait, is Tennessee. that? Wait, is that actually a Rune Factory spinoff? Yeah. Huh. I thought they would have announced that when they announced two other Rune Factory games. Uh, apparently not. It's got like a, the, the little cow pops up in the trailer. Huh. I guess I did not realize that was. I thought it was just like in that same style rather than being a uh, actual spinoff. No, I forget where I saw that, but yeah. Huh. Uh, but it looks neat. It's like a roguelike dungeon crawler thingy. Looks pretty well, cool. I hope you enjoy it. I will. Uh, Pikmin 4 looks Ronnie. cool. Okay. Are you talking about the uh, X-Seed game with the anime cutscenes? Yes. Yeah, with yeah, there's like six different characters and it's and yep. they can't talk. Yep. Oh, yeah, that, that oh, yeah, looked really thing, neat. Yeah. yeah, that looked awesome. Uh, Fireminer asks if there will be a remake for the first few Tales games, and I'm not talking about the GBA and PSP ports. Uh, I mean, Fantasia actually was on PSP. Actually, was a remake like that. Completely redid the combat system. It still uh, sucks. Granted, there's two Fantasias on <laughs> PSP, which was one of the most excessive th choices I've ever seen a company do. And they also uh, because there was there was, there was Fant Fantasia Full Voice Edition, and there was Fantasia Cross Narakiri Dungeon, and that one much more heavily remade, like the combat yes. system and shit. Yes, and uh, also adding voices does not make it not suck. It does. Sorry, it does, however, idea. mean that when they when they released it, they listed its genre as legendary RPG embellished by voice. Nice. Uh, but yeah, uh, and Destiny already got like a really high quality remake that uh, some enterprising fans may or may not have uh, translated. Uh, but yeah, I would honestly just like to see uh, the Destiny remake. Uh, you know, ported elsewhere. Yeah, that'd be cool. uh, but realistically, uh, I think that the amount of like it, it seems like the the appetite to endlessly re-release Tales games has kind of uh, disappeared. Uh, it doesn't seem like it. Like certainly, they still consider the franchise a going concern, but it seems like. There's much less appetite to just do like here's an endless barrage of ports to whatever new platform can handle them, which is a shame. Uh, diminishes our chances of ever seeing, say, uh, Tales of Destiny two on uh, in English or Tales of Rebirth in English in any official capacity. But I mean, that's the breaks, I suppose. Uh, so. It's, I, I don't think that there's a lot of appetite for those uh, for re-releasing the old ones for the time being. Uh, 
Um, let's see. So are, are we ready to talk the the bit the elephant in the room? Yes, Hot Wheels Unleashed Two Turbocharged. Oh. I don't even know why you're stalling at this point. I, don't know. I want to talk 4. about Pikmin Four. Yes, let's talk about Pikmin Four. <laughs> that looks really cool. It does, I, and the shadow drops the first two games. Yeah, yeah I was just advising Wheels that he should try the first one. Yeah, it's always been a series I've kind of been avoiding, but I mean, four looks really neat. So I think it's time to give it a. No, now the only one you can't play on Switch is Hey Pikmin for the 3DS, which is a game beloved by no one. Who <laughs> bought that game and never played it, and then sold it? Yes. What a story. <laughs> but yeah, Pikmin 4, it looks like Pikmin. Uh, you got a dog in this one. The first thing I could think of was to make a Poochie Ain't Stupid joke, so... Uh, but then there's also, like, one level was an indoor area. Like, they're in somebody's kitchen. I'm like, that's neat. Like, are they on planet Earth all along? What? Oh my gosh, I was wrong. It was Earth all along. Oh, you finally made a monkey. <laughs> I love you, Dr. Zayas. Great. Who's that? Uh, yeah. Uh... So, yeah. Um... All right, the elephant in the room, Myth Force coming to Switch. I don't even know why you're stalling on the stage. <laughs> I don't even know what Myth Force is. It's like in Super Mario 80s... Wonder. No, stop. <laughs> We're not there yet. Myth Force <laughs> is a like first-person RPG thing, style after like 80s cartoons. But the developer is Beam Dog, who are Oh yeah, a bunch like of former Bioware people bunch, and shit. Yeah, a bunch of former Bioware people who have mostly been doing ports of old Bioware games. Uh, Back in the day, they also did a they also did a new expansion for Baldur's Gate One while they were at it, yeah. which I bought and didn't play. Yeah. Uh, you'll never know the Siege of Dragon Spirit this right. Yeah, it seems like they were really staffing up in the hopes that they would be selected to do Baldur's Gate Three. Yeah, Not that Larian was a bad choice, it was just kind of a sad uh, situation yeah, for them. Yeah, uh, I remember um, I randomly got to do an interview with the the president of Beamdog a few packs east ago. It was like totally out of the blue, but uh, mm -hmm. I remember him saying that they were ready for something new, which is interesting, and I guess this mm -hmm. is one of the things they were working on. So I'm curious, it looks yeah, neat. I didn't I didn't realize that was Beam Dog, so that gives yeah. me a bit more interest. You know, it looks kind of cool. It's almost styled after like yeah. the that weird Dungeons and Dragons '80s cartoon. <laughs> also, Fireminer is vouching for the Hot Wheels game as being pretty cool, and uh, honestly, yeah, I, it honestly sure looked it pretty is, neat. Yeah. Uh, it I looked don't... pretty neat. It's just not something I have a lot to say about. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see what else we got next. Just Dance 2024 edition. Exciting news. Now, now you're just hurting yourself. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk what about, about Palea. Um, I don't, I don't remember. Know what that I don't remember what that was either. What's the okay? It was a farming so, game. So, hang on. So we we got more footage of Sonic Superstars. Yes. Yeah. And I was the sad team that, that did. Not... Okay. The team that did Sonic Mania though is doing a cool looking platform. Yeah, we series. mentioned uh, Penny. Oh, he did. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. Yeah, we've been sort of uh, ramping up to the things that are the biggest news. Yeah, that was yeah. that's a big tagline, though. You throw that on any platformer, and I'm interested. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Also, thankfully, cool. Sonic Superstars has the same uh, composer as Sonic Mania, so that'll oh, be good. there'll be some bangers on that soundtrack. Also, we got the stamp of approval of uh, what's his name? Christian Whitehead. Yes. Yeah, he was saying the physics are exactly right for it. Yeah. Oh, good. Perfect. That's all I care about is the physics. Yeah. yeah okay. So, uh, they they've they've learned it's being I believe that one's being made by Arzest, which is or at least in cooperation with Arzest, which is Nato Oshima's company. They've done very up and down things. Uh, I think their best platformer is the 3DS Yoshi's Island game that is better than you think, despite having dreadful music. <laughs> um. Uh, which, uh, which that was Yoshi's New Island. Yoshi's New. You're talking about Detective Pikachu. Say not the port Wait. of uh, Yoshi's Woolly World, I assume. Yeah, no, no. Uh, uh, yeah, Yoshi's New Island was a. It was it was kind of ugly. Uh, thankfully, this seems to have avoided that fate, and it had kind of bad music, but it was a good platformer. Nice. And I got I got a uh, Japanese version of that. In a retro shop for like ten bucks. So that's weird. We should play that at some point. That's extremely weird, but okay. Uh, I mean, the price was right. Yeah, as long as you're not playing Yoshi's Island DS, that game is bad. That's what I've heard. Uh, but yeah. Uh, okay, I believe we've run out of things you can stall me with. Uh, hold on, Fay Farm. Got to see more Fay Farm. another. I, why are you doing this? <laughs> I don't know, but I have to, I'm committed now. <laughs> Super Mario RPG remake. Yes, Super Mario RPG remake. The absolute shocking news which I was literally like I, I don't was not like holy fucking cuz my children were around, but I was like I'm wow. Internally you were screaming holy fucking shit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. It was a uh... It's a very, like, it's it's one of those things, like, it's not my ideal kind of remake because it looks like it's extraordinarily faithful. So, Uh, you know. Hmm? I'm not so sure. I saw some... What makes you say that? In the the combat footage, there were some things that may seem to suggest maybe there was more. Just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Also, Firerunner asked. There's just like a combo meter or like extra information on the bottom of the screen that I don't remember being in the original. So, uh, yeah, that might just be Could be some kind of bar was filling up, and I thought maybe there's like super moves oh, yeah, or something was, now. There was that too. So, yeah, yeah Fire, oh. Firerunner asked that Square Enix is making it, and as far as anyone can tell, no one is sure who's making this remake. Yeah. There's been a lot of speculation. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me honestly if it was Ilka, the people who did. Uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Uh, but that would just be like a bias based on the uh, art style and all that. There's no particular reason to assume that. You look underleveled. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we don't we don't know. They, they did not seem to have said who's actually making this remake. Uh, Gino but, yeah. and Mallow in Smash. Oh, shut Never. Up. Even um, even people who are actually fans of this game don't want them in Smash. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I, I saw I saw a great joke on Twitter. It was like 
uh, oh, Gino's, Gino's fans. Gino's will, fans finally play the game. Finally, will play the game that he's in. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it's from an old, uh, like it's from an old hard drive fucking article that was just like Earthbound fan decided to finally play Earthbound. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's a. It looks really nice, though. Like it's it's very loyal to the art style of the original, but thankfully the original is also one of the few SNES games that I think actually benefits from being made into 3D. It was always these weird pre-rendered polygons based off 3D models, so uh, actually making it 3D, it looks nice. Uh, Yoko Shimomura is uh, doing all the remixes of her already excellent soundtrack, so... Uh, if nothing else, a great an excuse to get great remixes of a great soundtrack is worth something. Uh, but yeah, I guess we'll see how faithful it ends up being. It looks very faithful to my eyes, but I'm not a huge expert on Mario RPG, so who can say? We'll see. Um, but yeah, and then the literal elephant in the room. The Princess Peach game they announced, they gave little details of. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. even going to bring that up simply because they basically just said it's happening. Uh, yeah. Seemingly as an attempt to like make it clear to the, you know, army of young girls that enjoyed seeing Peach get to do things in the movie that there would be a game where she got to do things. Uh, which you know makes sense. That's there's oh, just every it, reason to do that. Just just port that platformer she was in. Don't do that. How about that. not? Don't do that. That's, <laughs> that's not even a bad uh, game. Mechanically, it's not a bad game. Everything surrounding it is uh, deeply questionable. Yes. Uh, poorly thought through. Shouldn't have done. Shouldn't have done. Uh, but yeah, this also probably being developed internally rather than outsourced to Tose like Super Princess Peach was. Oof. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that that looks neat, but I'm you know of course waiting for them to show something more substantial about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was one of those things like I can only assume that was announced in response to the Mario movie. Like the other game that we're about to talk about, that would have been announced regardless because like that was always going to be huge. But this seems like something that they wanted to take the wraps off of earlier than they might otherwise have yeah. to make it clear that like that that there's a game coming to cater to the audience that, you know, liked seeing Princess Peach as a proactive character in the movie. Oh, Fireman so. has still no Metroid Prime 4. No, I'm assuming that's the next Switch at this point. That feels like a dual release to yeah, me. And I think at this point they, they're they deeply regretting even announcing it to begin with. Oh, if they had a, if they could do it all over again, they would have not announced yeah. that when they did. Because uh, I mean, but it was it was very early in the Switch's lifespan, and they needed to make sure that like there are still games coming, even though we have released Mario and Zelda. Yeah, like <laughs> I think stuff like this happens all the time, like restarting development with a different developer, something like that. Happened with the FF Seven remake. Yeah, um, we just don't normally hear about it. So normally, you have the luxury of not uh, of the game not being announced yet. Yeah, and so the game either gets killed. Or restarted with a different developer. Yeah. Realistically, I think if they hadn't announced it, there's a decent chance they just would have killed it. Uh, but because they announced it, like 
there's very few things that protect a project more than it being announced and it becoming <laughs> very embarrassing to cancel. Yeah. Uh, if, if a project has been announced in a, especially in a splashy way, there becomes like a necessity to like you have to see it through because people may have bought a system on the basis of playing it. Mm. And so you need to like you don't want to make it so that they don't trust you enough to buy another system when they when you announce another game they want. Yeah, but I mean, at this, uh, at this point, they're also not just going to like throw out. This isn't this isn't like Microsoft who just dumped like Redfall out there. They they're not just going to throw garbage out there. Well, yeah, it's also because like they don't want to hurt Metroid as a brand. Yeah, if Redfall fails, Redfall is Redfall. They don't yeah, care. It's true. <laughs> If it was, uh, if Redfall was Halo Infinite and had come out in that, uh, like Halo Infinite, say what you want about its multiplayer, not great, but if the campaign had been a Redfall, they they would have pushed it back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, just as a as a broader concern, uh, yeah, they like Metroid Prime Four. They're going to sit on because the kind of person person who cares about Metroid Prime Four. Uh, is the kind of person that will hold a long grudge if it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hmm? Like me. <laughs> like you. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things like that gets to incubate as uh, as long as it needs to because while they want it to be a financial success and it probably will be, uh, it's more important that it not embarrass them. <laughs> Uh, as opposed to something like Everybody Want to Switch, a title that they announced like three months, like a month before uh, this direct, and did not acknowledge at the direct. <laughs> you might have already forgotten that that was announced. It did. <laughs> it's true. That game, uh, there is every reason to believe a report that was made on that game a year ago that they have been tinkering with it and trying to fix it internally for like a year and a half uh, because uh, it like every internal focus test has been this just isn't very good uh, so I don't know what has been that that will be a fascinating st story of design that we will never hear the end of um, <laughs> this is a bit of a shame but what you're going to do uh but yeah, I, I would suspect Metroid Prime 4 as being something that at this point will likely be a dual launch for Switch and its successor. If, they, uh, if they're really feeling cheeky and want to uh, do the trendy thing with backwards compatibility where it runs uh, better on a successor system, something uh, that might be something that they might consider for that. But mm. that's the sort of game, like, I would suspect... The, there's a new 3D Mario that is meant to come out within the first year of the the Switch's successor as well, which is why we aren't hearing about that either, because that team has been busy for a very long time. Uh, but yeah. In lieu of that, though, something that will sell way better than a 3D Mario. <laughs> sadly, but maybe not sadly in say, this case. I wouldn't say sadly, but it is yes. one of those things like it is something that should probably be acknowledged. 3D Mario games just don't sell as well as 2D Mario games, yeah. but 3D Mario games get early adopters 
and 2D Mario games, you reap the benefits of having a huge install base with. Yes. Uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Yes, uh, I was worried that, hey, we're just going to get new Super Mario Brothers Switch or something, which, listen, I love the last one, new Super Mario Brothers U. It's great. But they were getting pretty samey to some extent. I think that it probably wouldn't have been as big of a problem just because it's New Super Mario Brothers U came out 10 years ago. True, true. But uh, it was definitely a situation where like a refresh of the aesthetic was necessary. Yes. Uh, and this is... Uh, yes, refresh. It's definitely a word I would use to describe this. this yeah, this is definitely Mario trying to be surprising again. Yeah. Uh, new Super Mario Brothers. Mario. What's that? Oh yeah, I Elephant Mario. Elephant Mario. Oh, I'm an idiot. That's now. all I, I want. Why you kept saying elephant in the room? Jesus fucking Christ! I can't. I can't believe you stepped <laughs> on that transition and didn't even realize what it was. <laughs> in any case, um... uh, now listen. Elephant Mario looks cool. I want to see what Elephant Luigi looks like. And, like How do you feel about Luigi. extremely long Mario? <laughs> Uh, unsettled. That was really upsetting. Yeah, yeah. long neck there's, Mario. There's a lot of like weird. There was a lot of nice animation details that you didn't you didn't get with the with the new games. Like they didn't tend to do weird animations. Yeah. Uh, there's, as much. There's uh, a lot they, that was like dreamy about this point where I almost wondered if it was going to be in any ways a callback to, like a subcon return. Yeah. Game over. Return of Wart. <laughs> I'd probably, buy it. Uh, probably not, but it was just a thought. It, it it does feel like we're about to get a new generation of children joking to each other about if it was made on drugs. <laughs> and I guess I guess it's good that every generation gets to have that. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, what if you touched fuzzy and got dizzy? Uh, sometimes pipes slither along like snakes. That's really weird looking. Um. Yeah, they just showed a lot of like weird, off the wall, unconventional yeah. uh, gimmicks and power ups and such. Yeah. So lots of things you know, changing looks, sizes. To Mario is lots of weirdness. They showed playable. I think yeah. Mario, Luigi, uh, Toad, Peach, Daisy. Yeah. So they showed at least four player co op as well, but it was less emphasized than the the new games. It seems to be just like an option as opposed to the intended uh like the specifically intended way to play the game uh i guess i don't know i i never found playing a four player to be very very good <laughs> i always prefer those games single player it's it was, it was very funny uh it was not a great way to progress yes it was a very good way to make sure that you and whoever you were playing with uh hated each other more than you ever had before yes uh uh, yeah. Uh... I was gonna say I thought the whole point to Mario is that he was eating psilocybin mushrooms, and that's why he's, you know, that's why everything's weird. I will not be taking further questions. I just um... assumed that Miyamoto was doing mushrooms when he made that game. I doubt it. No, that's. Uh... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Good. <laughs> I, I don't want to go into a uh, long lecture about Japanese drug laws, but. Uh, 
What's that? He seems like a stand-up guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's someone's grandpa at this stage, but uh, the the broader point would be uh, if if that were the case and it was ever found out, he would be essentially exiled from polite society. Um, Take that shit seriously. I will never forget Paul McCartney getting de- deported for having weed on him at the airport. <laughs> but let's see. Uh, imagine a Mario game without running momentum. I don't want to imagine Mario not feeling very good to play. Um, I think the mo- the momentum generally is uh, it's it's not always the same, but it's always a good form of momentum. Hmm. And I don't think that the style of level design that exists in Mario works as well without momentum. Uh, they're not Mega Man style levels. But that's just me. Um, but yeah, Super Mario Brothers Wonder looks uh, really fun. Yeah, and can't wait. Out, out in October. Now, yeah, now October is fucking stacked. Yeah, is is Mario RPG remake? When was that? November. Yes, November. But we got Mario Wonder. We got Spider Man Two. Oh yeah, those are on like Assassin's the same Creed Mirage. Couple days. Yeah, like this is gonna. That's suddenly I care about three games coming out in October. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> but yeah, those those look uh, look real neat. Um, Good direct. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those things where it's like uh, there were very few rumors about what would be in it beforehand. People seemed to suspect a direct was coming, and there was some obvious stuff that needed to be there, like Persona Five Tactica. Yeah. But then there was other stuff that, like the the biggest rumor beforehand was people had an inkling that there was a remake of some sort of sixteen bit RPG at it. Mm. And they worked themselves into all kinds of lathers about all whatever your favorites were. I definitely saw several people saying, ah, finally, HC2D Chrono Trigger. I don't really know that I want to see what Modern Square is going to do with Chrono Trigger. I could see maybe uh, Team Asano making something that looked good, but it wouldn't really add much to that game. Yeah. Uh, I think that I'm fine with Chrono Trigger just being a game that you can play. I mean, I think people... <laughs> People will just have some ideas in their head after seeing um, Live Alive HD, which looks really nice. But if you go back and look at and see what the original looks like, it really needed that upgrade. Whereas, like, it was, it was a perfectly other... attractive game, but it was definitely one of their lower budget and less yeah. gorgeous uh, Super Nintendo games. Whereas, like, Chrono Trigger, like, there is nothing wrong with how that game yeah, looks. No. There's nothing wrong with how uh, that game looks or plays, so... Yeah, I don't know. Like yeah. The the other thing is that Light Alive makes a lot of little updates to make the game friendlier. Uh, and just generally have better UI. So that And again, that's not really something Chrono Trigger needs. Fireminer asks the question, should be, where is Chrono 3? And my question would be, what would that even be? Who, who would you... The real question with that would be, from who? <laughs> uh, do you? I don't particularly want uh, Masato Kato writing another Chrono game after Cross. Uh, I don't think you're going to get anyone to argue that Yuji Hori needs to sit down and write a plot outline for someone else to make. Uh, like, 
Chrono Trigger's kind of a perfect storm of a lot of people who are all very busy now. Uh, so it's one of those situations where it's like, I don't know what that would be. Yeah. Uh, I am not super, like, I'm sure there are versions of, uh, there are versions of at Chrono 3 that I think could be interesting. There are things you could do with that universe or that story. You could break it off into further alternate dimensions. You could do uh, more timeline shenanigans. You could even do a little of both. But you need to make a really strong pitch, and I'm not sure that anyone's got that in them. Mm. Like, not even just who they have now. Anyone. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, I, I don't particularly see uh, a need for Chrono uh, 3. At this point, I'd rather just see a sequel to that uh, time travel RPG from Atlas. Radiant uh, yes. Historia? Yes. Uh, Fireminer's asking, remember when I asked should game franchises be continued only by the original creators? I do, and my argument is always no. Uh, I do think that uh, it can be worthwhile to uh, you know, have the have these original creators give input, uh, but I, I think that you know you're always only going to get like one set of opinions about what something should be if you're only allowing one group of people to make it. And I think that a lot of concepts stand up to being reinterpreted and rethought by different groups of people who maybe they enjoyed the original. Maybe they didn't even like the original. Maybe they have different ideas about what it should have been. Uh, the Chrono Trigger people made uh, I Am Setsuna and Lost Sphere. I don't think, I I don't think they were actually... Yeah, no, no, I think that was just people saying they were inspired by Chrono yeah. Trigger rather oh, than people who made oh, Chrono okay. Trigger. Uh, like, the thing is that if you look at Chrono Trigger's actual like list of credits, you find people that have gone on to do a ton of stuff. But uh, it's one of those things that, like, uh, there, there are people that have moved on. Like, there are three credited directors that I'm aware of for... Uh, Chrono Trigger. One of them is Yoshinori Kitase, who has been, who uh, was co-director on FF6 and uh, like, I believe 7 and 10 and then after 10 he kind of moved into being like an executive at Square. He doesn't get to make games anymore. Uh, uh, but he was infamously the one who assigned Nomura as general director on FF7 remake. Uh you have uh, Takashi Tokita, who did a whole bunch of stuff. I think he was a director on FF4. Um, I think that's what my brain says this is the case, but let me double check. Uh, yeah, lead, uh, lead game designer and scenario writer on 4. Uh, director and scenario writer on Live Alive. Uh, he was an event planner on FF7, director on Parasite Eve. Uh, director on Chocobo Racer, director on The Bouncer, like he's done all sorts of weird stuff uh, ever since. He mostly at this point seems to be overseeing the things that are designed to be sort of throwback Final Fantasies. 
that, that seems to be the role that he's kind of at at this point. Um, he's got spe most of his recent credits are special thanks. I think that he is uh, mostly deep in the management portion of the company. Um, uh, Yuji Hori and Sakaguchi, Hironobu Sakaguchi as supervisors on that game. Pretty obvious what happened with them. Uh, uh, let's see. There's someone listed here. Let me see if I can find out more about this guy. Uh, so the producer on it was Kazuhiko Aoki, who was another event planner on FF7. Uh, he was the battle designer on FF4, designer on FF3. Uh, and was apparently a, a core guy on Dragon Quest X. So, uh, you know, just... All these people are busy. You you can't get them all back together. Uh, like that, that shit's not happening. Uh, event planner here, Yuki Ito. He did. Uh, he was like a director on FF nine twelve. Uh, like all all these people went on to other things. They're they're all busy. Um, I I wouldn't. I would be fine with someone else taking up the mantle on. Uh, on a Chrono three, but. Again, you have to start with a strong pitch, and I'm not sure such a thing, a strong enough pitch exists. Mm. Uh, um, has there ever been a game sequel made by someone who hated the original? Uh, I think there's at least a few, but the ones that I'm trying to think of... Uh, for, for one thing, it's, it's kind of hard to uh, immediately... It can be hard to get proof of that because it's very hard to get someone to admit they hated something that they're working on a f entry of the franchise in. It's very difficult unless the unless the franchise is to this point not well regarded. Um, I, I'm trying to think of some examples. Uh, allegedly, like the writer on. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2 didn't think much of Star Wars as a franchise. I've never been able to like source that claim. Uh, there's some obvious ones. I don't think uh, the developers of Spec Ops The Line, for example, thought much of the original Spec Ops games, but that's because they are garbage to the bone. Um, but yeah, there, there, I've definitely heard of this happening where like someone who doesn't particularly care for a franchise gets put in charge of the new entry. But I would have to look that up uh, to find specific ones. Uh, excluding cases where the original creators hate what they made uh, with the sequels without their involvement, aka Kojima and NES Metal Gear 2. I'm not even fully aware that Kojima hates Snake's Revenge. Uh... He's usually, from what I can tell, been relatively cordial about it. Uh, in the few times that he's ever been asked about it in an English-speaking context. Let's see. Okay. Yeah, back in 1999, he claimed that he had enjoyed Snake's Revenge. 
although in 09 he said it was a crap game. But in a later interview he said that he didn't think it was a bad game. So it seems like in general, more often than not, uh, like Kojima generally considers Snake's Revenge to be a perfectly inoffensive video game. It's not the game he'd have made, but he's not he's very rarely gone out of his way to denigrate the work that other people put into that franchise. Uh, and when they were uh, when when, uh, when they did like some presentations for Metal Gear's 25th anniversary in 2012, apparently it was playable alongside all the rest, so they did not try to uh, remove it entirely. So, yeah, I, I don't even think Kojima hates that game. Uh, it's just one of those things that, like, he didn't make it. Uh, he's not gone out of his way to say he hates it too terribly much. Uh, and then uh, Fireminer mentioning that he wants to see Grant Morrison or Alan Moore write the script for a superhero movie. Uh, you could never get Alan Moore to sit down long enough to uh, to like agree to that kind of thing uh, because I think he essentially hates films at this point, uh, or at least comic book films as a whole. So probably not happening there. I think he hated the Watchmen movie. He he never watched it. He he fully oh. said he never watched it because he hated the concept. Um, <laughs> okay. He hated V for Vendetta. Uh, well. Yeah, I just started reading V for Vendetta a while back, and I'm like, oh, the movie... Like, just in the, the op couple of opening scenes, I'm like, oh, yeah, the movie really watered this down. And It's very different. Yeah. It's a very different thing. Uh, yeah. There are, to my knowledge, like two or three adaptations of his work that... Uh, that Alan Moore has ever agreed to allow his name to be attached to. Okay. Uh, the only one that's coming to mind off the top of my head is the Justice League episode that's an adaptation of the story for the man who has everything. Uh, which, I mean, that's a, that's, that's a very good uh, episode. And it's a good story. So, yeah, for the man who has everything. For, was there a movie for From Hell that had Johnny Depp or something? Uh, it sounds familiar. Or am I, thinking I would imagine he doesn't acknowledge. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, if yeah. if it's true, I would imagine he doesn't acknowledge that either. Uh, Hang on. Um, there was. Uh, I think I'm mixing things up here. From Hell movie. Let's see. Yeah, Johnny Depp. 2001 detective film. Heather Graham. Wow. <laughs> cool. I like her. But yeah. Right, I'm back. And, yeah, I'm pretty sure for as far as things that are adaptations of his work that Alan Moore has ever expressed any degree of approval for, it's basically for the man who has everything. Uh from Justice League, and uh, I think that uh, he was at least uh, amused by 
a uh, Watchmen parody called Saturday Morning Watchmen. But, yeah, that's uh, it's it's pretty. Yeah, um, in, in general, uh, not not someone that I think you could make work with uh, anything like that. I could see I could see someone trying to at least uh, get Morrison involved with something, though, and I could see something breathtakingly uh, unhinged coming out of it. And I honestly kind of want to see it. Did one of them work on Batman: The Long Halloween? Am I thinking of somebody? Else? Uh, that's that's Tim Sale and. Okay. That's a good. That's a good story. Um, yeah, it's a very good animated movie for that now too, in two parts. Nice, nice. It's a, it's a long story, so that makes sense. Yeah. It is. A, it is a rather long Halloween. Uh, this is the movie. Why are you telling taking me directly to the movie when I'm looking for the comic? God damn it! Okay, there we are. Uh, yeah, Batman Long Halloween. Yeah, artist Tim Sale, writer writer Jeff Loeb. But, yeah. Uh, I wanna... the killing joke. That's also Alan Moore, and he is not fond of that uh, comic. Okay. Listen, when's someone gonna adapt? Uh, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow? I don't know what that is. You don't know that? No. No. It's uh, it was meant to be like Alan Moore's sort of what if epilogue to Silver Age Superman. Interesting. It's it's him giving like Superman his uh like happy ending. Uh, Not that happy ending, right? <laughs> no. It does, however, have. Uh, have you read All Star Superman? Uh, I have not, although I've always wanted to. There's also uh, an animated version of that, if you need a condensed form to partake in. I don't feel like I need a condensed form, but I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, one, of the, one of the things I always liked about uh, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow was that it includes the phrase... Yeah. Hey, it includes yeah. the phrase, uh, this is an imaginary story, but then again, aren't they all? <laughs> it's, uh, but yeah, the first half of the story... Uh, in Superman number 423 was billed as the comic's historic last issue. <laughs> Which is a cute thing. But yeah, like it was, it was designed as like, what if we just gave this real, like the, the whole Silver Age version of Superman a, a like an ending, an epilogue, a happily ever after. So that's worth checking out if you haven't read it. Um, so we fully into comic stock now? I, I guess we are, for some reason, unless you want to talk about what you've been playing. Uh, we'll do that last. Okay. <laughs> talk about Titans and how I didn't have to cancel all my, all my DC books. You probably should have, but you didn't. <laughs> Why should I have some books? <laughs> you don't want to reward the behavior they've been displaying. I, I don't, but it's not the fault of all the artists and writers. It's true, it's true, it's true. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> Wally West is not dead. I don't give a flying fuck if that spoils Titans number two for anyone. I'm sorry. I can't believe this happened. I don't care. Because it still annoys the shit out of me. You want to do fake out death? 
fine. Why does it have to be Wally West after every time the Wally West comic book just did a fake out death, which was well, that one was obvious, a lot more obvious than it was not. But this does make it sound like the left hand and right hand don't know what each other are doing. (laughs) But also, it's it seemed very stupid from the beginning because it happened like it actually happened a week before Flash number eight hundred. And, you know, all the talk about a relaunch coming this September with Wally West having new interesting powers and things like that. I I don't get it. Just, you've fucked this character over (laughs) so much. And you finally brought him back and got him this amazing run. Like, uh, the, the whatever issue number they brought him back as the main flash up to issue number 800 is an absolutely excellent run that I recommend for to anyone who likes Wally West as the flash. But yeah, to, to just constantly do this shit is annoying. I don't know, but it's done. Yeah. And hopefully that's the last one for a while. <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, also, Ultimate Invasion number one. Uh, which did the Ultimate invade? <laughs> no, the only people from the Ultimate Universe in it are Miles and the evil Reed Richards, who I think still think is a really interesting villain. Oh yeah, that's that's one of the better things that came out of the non-Spider-Man parts yes. of that. Was just like, oh yeah, people already want, people already dislike Reed Richards. Just yes. let them. Just let them. <laughs> yeah, and it honestly makes sense because yeah, he's a huge asshole. <laughs> and it's also interesting to see like the the good Reed Richards contemplating like what would lead him in that direction. Yeah, well, I mean, like you know, contemplating. Well, I guess I can't have been that far from what I could have been. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like. Yeah. Oh, him being with the Invisible Woman seems to have tempered him, the good one, and him not being with her in the Ultimate Universe made him super evil. <laughs> yes. Uh, I have an awake child. Oops. Go get some melatonin. Uh, but yes. Um, so, you're, so we're still ranting about comic books again, huh? Always. No, you just joined just in time yeah. for the comic book stuff. <laughs> Uh, but always, yes. Uh, you're just in time. Yes. Uh, so we can talk about Spider Verse again. <laughs> yes, I saw it again today. It's still extremely good. Uh, I'll wait for it to show up on digital. But it's definitely yeah. like a artistically, it's a masterpiece. Oh yeah, it's, it's unimpeachably aesthetically. Yeah. Uh, not that anyone cares about the Oscars, but if it doesn't win the animation Oscar, it. I, I, I won't I'll be know. Sad. I won't know what to say. I'll be Doesn't sad. that always go to Disney or Pixar? Uh, it did not when uh, Into the Spider Verse was up for it. Okay. And what did go? Did it go to? No, it went into the Spider Verse. What I'm saying. Oh, I didn't realize that. Uh, I, I assumed it had been snubbed. <laughs> no, 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 it absolutely went to that. And I think there there was like a, I forget which Pixar movie came out that. Would have given it a run for 2018, 2019. I would say, I would assume 2018. I think so. Okay. 
Last animated. I'm checking this. You continue ranting or whatever. Uh, so yes, uh, Ultimate Invasion number one, Evil Reed Richards goes to see Miles Morales and says, like, I'm going home, and he's basically offering to bring him too. And so I have no idea what that means, considering the Ultimate Universe was kind of unceremoniously destroyed. Like, you already have a bunch of alternate Earths. Why can't you just leave it and not do the fucking comic books anymore and maybe go back to an location? Whatever. That's neither here or there. But it ends with him in some universe, maybe. I This is going to make me like go back and pull out Ultimate my. I think I have it in trade paperback, but the first issue of Ultimate Spider-Man because it ends with the evil Reed Richards stopping a some Peter Parker from getting bitten by a spider. Ooh, but, spooky. Yes, but regardless, this based on the fucking preview covers, this is not at all what I expected from this. So I have no idea where this is going, and it's kind of exciting, to be honest. Okay, yeah. It looks like uh, original Spider-Verse uh, beat out uh, Incredibles 2, Isle of Dogs, Mirai, and uh, Ralph yeah, Breaks the Internet. I was going to say Incredibles 2, but that didn't seem like the same year. And that's honestly a close, close race, because that's, in my opinion, one of Pixar's best movies. Incredibles With Spider-Verse earned it. Yes, for sure. Uh, uh, but yeah. The uh, Wind Rises lost to Frozen. Uh, yeah. That sounds about right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Hate to say it, but but yes, the possibility of the ultimate universe returning excites me. Uh, uh, Marvel, please bring it back, and then just you don't just like uh, Spider Gwen's universe, you can just leave it off to the side and occasionally do. You're, a, you're allowed to destroy its existence. Just like kind of just because you editors, just because you didn't grow up with it, doesn't mean people don't care about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that that honestly, like, I was fine with all those comics ending. The fact that they obliterated the universe, even bringing Miles over to the main universe, that's fine. But just, that makes like, sense. Like, he's got a lot of use. Yeah, like, but, even if you don't want to do an ongoing that's specific to that universe, but like, you're also allowed to just stop writing comics in a universe for a yes. while and then bring it back later. It's fine. <laughs> you keep bringing back twenty ninety nine on occasion. You didn't blow that up. <laughs> Ironic. Like there's a whole ice. Uh, there's probably a whole generation of kids that grew up reading just Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Miles or otherwise. Yeah, no that that is what got like I came back to comics back in college reading Cross Gen, so like not reading any superhero shit, and Ultimate Spider-Man was ultimately what got me back into that side oh, of comics. Oh, oh, oh. Ultimately, but yes. yeah, not. Uh... It's it's a really strong run from start to end. Yeah, I still highly recommend people read that. It's yeah. great. Uh, trades I think are still around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I should get those for my collection. I always said to guy. read them out of the library. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's a good fight. Um, this yeah. is uh this is actually a neat translation of a two D fight to three D, I think. Oh, in general, like uh all of the it's remarkable how faithful Oath and Felgana actually is to yeah. what's going on in Wanderers from East. 
uh, for as different as they look, it's uh, and for they ultimately do play quite differently just because of that change in perspective. But it's not because they aren't being faithful to what was there before. Yep. Uh, By the way, sorry for calling out a very specific question to save for me. No worries, no worries. Uh, let's uh, maybe hit that right now. Uh, let me pull this up. Question number two. Invasion today. Was the Valkyrie Profile 2 one? Yep. Was Valkyrie Profile 2 any more popular than the original one? Were fans fine with how it broke a lot of conventions from the first game? Uh, I think people, like, I think Tri-Ace fans kind of expected it. That was the temperature that I got when I was uh, following it back when it came out. Uh, but, that's, was... but here's the thing. Its specific class is Valkyrie Profile 2 popular. Not as much as the first game. I mean, that's fair. And, um, yeah, people... Uh, People really wanted a Valkyrie profile too. I the time uh, the um, alternate universe stuff that they pulled off on it just made a lot of us just kind of scratch our heads. And honest, and no one liked the no one. Most people that I have spoken with who've played it do not enjoy that battle system because the battle system. The battle system in one is marvelous. The problem was they tried to move the battle system in one into a 3D space. And it doesn't work as well. I recall liking two, but I didn't finish it, so who knows. Now, like, the character rate, you know, the characters and No, all? I meant the gameplay system. Yeah, I think my audio keeps cutting in and out. Now, the, now, the actual gameplay, not, not bad, but yeah, the battle system did not translate well from the first game to the, to the second game, moving it into a 3D space. I'll have to try that and see how I end up feeling. I always heard uh, more positive things, and I remember what little I played of it enjoying, but we'll have to see. But yeah. Uh, Sorry, my uh, audio is cutting in and out. Sorry there, Dave. That's fine. Yeah. It's just one of those things like... Uh, it's uh, like most Tri-Ace sequels. I recall it being mildly divisive, but generally better liked than, say, Star Ocean Three. Uh, Although there's plenty of people out there who love Star Ocean Three too. Yeah, but they're broken in the head. Um, <laughs> now most people don't like Star Ocean Four. Star Ocean Three, real bad. Sorry, I'm on a I'm on a thing. No, it's fine. I, hate I agree. Game. It almost killed me ever playing any Tri-Ace game. Uh, I had to do death, so much work. Death to by MP happen. is a bad idea. That's not uh, even the worst idea in that game. It's full of them. Well, that was the worst idea for me in that yeah. game. That was like a early alarm bell when I first played it. I did not even reach the the part that people really hated. But what's funny is that part could potentially be true according to science. I don't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know what part you're talking about. We're yeah. The plot twist of oh, we're in we're a video game for from the fourth dimension or a holographic yeah, world from the fourth dimension, and yeah, unfortunately, don't... science has potentially 
proclaim that that is actually true ass shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't trust anyone talking about Roko's Basilisk bullshit. Um, you like the the world is full of tech bros reinventing Pascal's wager, but dumber. So let's see. Uh, oh wait, I am looking in the wrong Discord server. I should look at the right one. Okay, uh, so let's hit some more of these questions that are here. Uh, I recently argued with a person who talked about how FF games are only amazing when they first came out and the luster faded quickly. Putting aside the question of how many RPGs copied what FF did first, I asked this person which RPGs before the PS3 were timeless. The answer was expectable to everyone on this podcast. Star Ocean 2, Lunar, Valkyrie Profile, FF Tactics, etc. That makes me want to ask, is timeless for a lot of people just mean the culmination of a certain iterative design? Like the aforementioned games stood on the shoulders of tons of NES and Super NES games made by people who had already spent years making similar games. In other words, if you think this product is the best representation of a design language and you can't imagine how people can make it better, then it automatically becomes timeless. The casual players with no commitment to any particular franchise automatically discard anything not the best. Uh... Not particularly, I think mostly because, uh, just to answer that last one, I think most people uh, are, like, loyal to, like, the things that they've heard of that looked interesting to them, and, like, the best is going to be what they care about. Like, that's how most people operate, and I think that's no different for casual consumers. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like... Well, if it's... From my experience, yeah, is it also depends on what they were exposed to. So, like, if that's what I mean, like people think people think what they like is the best, and that's going to involve what they're exposed to. That's all I'm getting at. Yeah. So, like, I've I've had this argument, or I've had this discussion with my wife, who thinks Final Fantasy X is one of the best Final Fantasies, and I I do like Final Fantasy X, but it was the first Final Fantasy <laughs> that she was exposed to. Yeah, so that's always going to be the bar against which other games are judged. I mean, she remembers playing Final Fantasy IV in her diapers without being able to read, so... Yeah, it's one of those, uh, like, the first one uh, the first one you committed to is also going to be the one that you kind of judge the others against. Uh, there are probably people out there who think Final Fantasy XIII is the best one ever, because that was the first one they played. Yeah, we're going to start hearing more from them in about five years. Um, but, uh, my, my, uh, my, my response to this would be that there is, uh, a obvious, decidedly, uh, old school bent to these, uh, the sloppiest thing on this list is Star Ocean 2, which is still iterating on Star Ocean 1, but is a very out there sort of game mechanically for its time. But, uh... In general, I think that there is how to phrase this. There is more inclination to appraise what worked well in terms of aesthetic choices for two late two D games than early three D games. So a lot of those uh, PS1 and early PS2 games get less the benefit of the doubt in terms of their aesthetic choices, in terms of their gameplay choices, than uh, perhaps the later era 2D games, Super Nintendo and era and PS1 era 2D tend to get, because those were 
kind of the last time those got to be uh, considered cutting edge. Uh, I think that a lot of what gets something seen as timeless is the willingness to go back to go back and reevaluate something on what it's attempting to do. And that is easier for things that are unequivocally successful at what they're attempting. But I do think it does a disservice to uh, things that maybe actually did make really impressive choices given what they had access to. Uh, but, you know, it's also because things like the design of, say, uh, Lunar or FF Tactics, uh, the attempts to iterate on those still fundamentally look like them nowadays. We still see the same kinds of job systems and grid-based tactics that we saw in Final Fantasy Tactics. We still see uh, these these traditional sorts of hero's journey RPGs like Lunar. Those sorts of things continue to exist, but there's the new ones are not completely... Uh, reshaping the game so there's less uh, so the inclination tends to be that these old ones still feel like the new ones in some way shape or form in some ephemeral fashion whereas when the new ones are uh, continue to evolve from the old ones in ways that makes the old ones unrecognizable there's often an argument that this is essentially an inevitable march of progress, that this is where things were supposed to be unless and until a large portion of the audience declares that they dislike what these have evolved into. And there ends up being like an attempt to course correct for the tastes of the audience that have grown tired of the direction that something has evolved into. Uh, in, in this case, I think that uh, for, you know, a lot of... Uh, these titles that's that's kind of what you run into but i do think that there's a lot of these like you know ps1 ps2 even ps3 games that like we've evolved away from but a fresh-eyed evaluation of would show that they honestly kind of haven't been treated well by retrospectives uh in a way that's kind of unfair to them <laughs> uh Oh, that would be my argument, and that there's also a lot of things that uh, people would argue as timeless that really does, as Tim was mentioning, sort of come down to, well, that's what they had when they were kids. Um, but yeah, that, that would be uh, kind of my uh, broad thought process on this, if anyone's... Oh, Wheels is still gone. Uh... And, I still have uh, no idea what that question was asking because I didn't follow what you were saying, but I let you puts, uh, handle yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it put simply, it's basically just like a lot of times when you ask people what a timeless game is, they're going to go back to these very uh, iterative uh, evolutionary games rather than revolutionary ones. Uh, and the the argument was like, is that what people consider timeless, and like, is is it possible for that? And my my argument in summation was basically that uh, the it's as much due to uh, essentially a disservice of how people retrospectively analyze games as opposed to merely being uh, an issue of the games themselves. Well, I just played through Beyond Oasis again. 
Mm-hmm. And oh, I streamed it on my channel. But so that was a game that, like, you know, I played over and over and over again when I was a kid. And like, I would tell people about it, and and it wasn't popular. It, you know, so people would be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" You know, if you went to school and started talking about Resident Evil and games like that, people like you could make friends that way. But I'd be like, "Oh, you ever played Beyond Oasis? It's the best game ever!" And people are like, "The fuck is that?" <laughs> um, and a lot of people they had Super Nintendo, they didn't have Genesis, and they played Final Fantasy and Chrono Trigger, and they were like, oh, "Sega doesn't have RPGs." But I was just replaying that, and I'm just like, "This is like this was one of my favorite games as a kid." And I never understood why it didn't get a sequel. It, it got a prequel. But it's one of those many Sega franchises that just... It was just one or two games and that was it. And it, it's been dormant ever since. But Isn't there a weird I, Game, I, voice, uh, Game Gear spinoff as well? Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Maybe. Is, is Defenders of Oasis part of that? I thought there I was something different. assumed it was. Oh. Could be. I, so... Yeah, it's just... But I'm bringing that up because that's how I feel about that game. So just replaying it again, I'm like, okay, yeah, I could see how this was on the surface is kind of a Zelda clone. The puzzles are very similar, like in, in a lot of rooms, okay, kill all the monsters or light all the torches, you know, push the boulder onto the switch or whatever. Um, so I can kind of see both sides of it. You know, it's one of my favorite games ever, and I think it still holds up pretty well today. But... There's that's a lot of nostalgia talking right there because I didn't own a Super Nintendo or a PS One mm-hmm. at the time. Um, but I, I don't know. Depends on how you look at it. Yeah. Will, did you have any strong opinions about this question? Did you even hear the question? Or... No, I did not. <laughs> okay. Oh, don't, to... don't read it again. No, don't read yeah, it I'm again. Yeah, I'm just gonna sum it up real quick. Uh, <laughs> no, read the whole thing. No, no, it's very long. Okay. Um, uh, basically, the question was uh, pertaining to uh, whether, like, a timeless game, uh, in most people's perception, is always going to be one that is more uh, iterative rather than revolutionary. Uh, um, that's a good question. Uh, but I would say yes. I think so. I think a lot of my favorite games are not the first game in a franchise. They're often several entries in, the second entry, things like that. Like, I mean, Zelda 1, the original Zelda's not going to make the top my best games of all time list, but many of its sequel, many of its follow-ups will. Um, Counterpoint. Counterpoint, Mario 64. Mm, that's a good point. <laughs> Although you could say that is iterative of the 2D, 2D games, I guess. I would not make that argument. I would actually I, argue I quite the either. opposite. I wouldn't either, but I'm just saying. Then why say it? <laughs> Somebody's got to make because an we argument. Playing, we also making devil's advocate time. Yeah. Uh What's fire around state here? Thinking, how many people think that the original Halo and Gears of War are ageless? Uh, shooters don't don't age well. A lot of those older shooters don't. And ironically, I think people actually do uh, still hold up Halo One. Really? I, I don't know why. Why? Uh, 
Halo Three. I think the, best the first three, um, the first three Gears of War games are all garbage, as far as I'm concerned. Wow. I think Gears That's of War Two holds up fine. That, I again, thought four I, and five were good, but in some cases, as I said, there are people who will always go back to you know sometimes they're either first exposure with something or uh you know the games that they have kind of heavy exposure with now in the case of halo yeah shoot shooters don't always hold up well but there are there are people who think you know halo one and th one through three are a lot better than any of the ones that came later it's because they are i'd also bring up uh <laughs> I would also I would also bring up that uh, Doom is still regarded as a century and unimpeachable classic. Yeah. Doom is amazing. Okay, well, let still me... an unimpeachable classic. Yeah, most shooters don't age that great. Most games don't age that yeah, great. That's true. <laughs> Myers first gets past because it's one of the few things 64 owners can point to. As far as what? No. And I, I assume no. just in terms of quality games, but no. Yeah. It's got it's got some issues with the camera, but otherwise, I mean, it still plays great. <laughs> A few things 64 owners can point to. Ocarina uh, of Time? <laughs> Smash Ocarina of Time, Smash, even just some of the weirder stuff like Blast Core. Um, like Old Nine, remember? Only people can. Uh, it's it's one of those situations. Like I think people generally are much more ready to acknowledge that, say, Golden Eye has a lot of issues nowadays. But you know, Mario sixty four still still a great game. Ocarina of Time still a great game. Majora's Mask still a great game. Uh, I think they both suck, but that's me. Yeah, but that's because you're wrong. Um, uh, but yeah, it's one of those things. Like those, a lot of those games are kind of the first uh, attempt at a lot of those things, and they hold up remarkably well. Uh, Again, it's in some a lot of people's cases that was their first big exposure to them. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 1 still holds up quite well. Um, Which is going to be out on the Switch soonish. Yep, that's part of the Master Collection, thankfully. Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes holds up well if you play on the Dolphin emulator, but the original PS1 game, I, I find it almost unplayable. Mainly I, I, could not, I could not disagree more. Twin yeah. Snakes fucks up at least two boss fights and ruins a number of other sections. Okay. <laughs> they fucking, like, the entire gimmick of the Revolver Ocelot boss fight is that you need to keep track of what he's doing in order to find a safe time to shoot him. And that, that kind of... That's kind of gone. <laughs> it's over. Uh, I also think that the art style is actually very, very bad. Um, it's it's going for like a faux realistic, even more so than uh, MGS2, and it doesn't look very good. Um, I haven't played in a long time, yeah. but I remembered a lot of the original music being missing too. I don't know if it's missing, but there is some strange choices about instrumentation. Yeah. But yeah, I would yeah. argue MGS1. I find a lot of PS1 and N64 games to just be barf-inducing and um, at this point because of the refresh rate and the frame rate and the 
texture pop in and yeah. all the other crap. Yeah. I uh I'm not a fan of the weird uh affine texture warping that is that infects basically all PS1 3D games, but I can live with it and my frame rates in my opinion on frame rates is a matter of public record. Yeah. So. That's fine. And I think that in general a lot of interesting aesthetic choices were made with those games due to their limited technology. Uh you got some some very unique kinds of games. MGS one largely forgoing uh like visible faces and thus confining a lot of the uh conversation to the codec where they could have uh hand drawn expressive faces or uh just very unique daring cinematography uh that you didn't really see in games at the time and honestly still oftentimes don't actually see they're very interesting um, fire miners says that they can't play the original doom or quake without feeling nauseous i don't know how doom's making you nauseous that game's pretty rock solid it well, runs weird but the, if you're talking about the original version yeah or, or any of the weird ports but the newest versions of it are great but yeah i mean if you were to go back and play the dos version on a modern computer and oh that it looks horrible it's like 15 frames per second it runs at 35 yeah. like that is its native oh. frame rate it's 35 frames oh, per it second. Is. okay but but i'm just it looks i don't know it just looks weird to me it looks i get fine. what he's saying yeah. yeah, I don't get it. It looks fine to me. Um, Quake, I think, is a lesser one. I dislike the aesthetic choices that were made with that game. Uh, but I think that Doom holds up great. I think Quake Tried is just a bad on. game. <laughs> I don't think it's a bad game, but I do think that it, it has it's a less aesthetically adventurous game than I would like. Yeah. Yeah, it's and weird to you me can kind of some indie games like aping its style. It's I mean, like, that's nostalgia yeah. for you. Yeah. But yeah, and there there are things I like about it. It's just it's overall kind of a muted game in a way that I'm not super jazzed about. Uh, let's see, tried to play it on DOSBox. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's it's it's supposed to run. Like, if if you're getting it to run properly, it's running at 35 frames a second. I forget what the technical reason is for why it does that, but it's very much a speci specification of the engine. Uh, so... Uh, I would recommend just, like, a really faithful source port. There's a few of those out there that is probably going to be something you'd be happier with. Um, Try um, Skulltag Doom, and that works with a few other games too like i think hexen and heretic so not like an mm -hmm. official no. one on steam do they just no, port no, that no. to consoles there there are there's an official port of uh port of doom to steam but we're talking about like very faithful source ports in oh, this okay. case uh but yeah quake 2 I... is kind of boring but quake 4 can kill you with boredom yeah they i don't know what happened there <laughs> can play Are Quake 2 with ray tracing now, and it runs like garbage. <laughs> uh, Quake 2, Quake 2. Uh, what were you saying, Tim? Uh, uh, it didn't matter. Uh, if you're certain. Yeah, no, it didn't. Okay. You answered it, so never, you said it, so never mind. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, what did everyone think of Radiata stories when it came out? I thought it was neat. I don't think it lit anyone's world on fire, but it was neat. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, it feels kind of like they had some curtailed ambitions with it, as most Tri-Ace games often do, but I kind of appreciate the commitment to the bit. There's no... There is no ha- like 100% happy ending to that story. Uh, and I respect that they... I mean, they went for it. <laughs> uh, you will side with the humans or the non-humans, and one of those sides will go away forever. And that's uh, that's dark. That's really fucking dark, actually. Disarmingly dark. <laughs> Did we skip over question three? Did we? Let me check. Um... Oh yeah, I'll get I'll get back to that. I'll just finish out okay. the Radiata stories thoughts. But yeah, uh, that was that was a disarmingly dark game. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, let's all see the happy-go-lucky friends of Jack Russell, and then, oh lord, why did this turn into a race war? A race war about environmentalism. Yeah, like, it's it's a, it gets it gets wild. I, I respect it, because they just sort of, like, they lure you in with the cutesy shit, and then this happens. <laughs> real dark, real upsetting. Um, let's see... We've talked about the pitfalls of Star Ocean 3 and 4, but the question remains, why did everything go downhill from 2? What are the possible explanations? Square Enix merger was rough for Trice. I mean, they were just the publisher uh, that someone left between 2 and 3. I think probably a number of people, but the design language of Star Ocean has become outdated by the PS3. Uh, I fundamentally disagree. I think it's just a question of like the thing that they were trying to do cost a lot more than anyone was willing to spend on Star Ocean. Uh... I think with, they're still they're still trying to do things that no one wants to spend that much money on a Star Ocean. Yeah, and that's why I love Triace because they they are so relentlessly ambitious in the face of uh, of adversity. But yeah, like Star Ocean Three, you can see like bits of the complex systems and uh, selectable party from Star Ocean 1 and 2, but they're like much more vestigial and weird. And they're, they're largely gone in 4. Uh, and then they have to sort of change what they're being ambitious about in 5 and 6. Well, but... 6 actually does... Wait, no. Hold up. I did 6. Never so 6 has only one character... That can differ between your yeah. protagonist. Yeah, so. like the two protagonists get a, an exclusive character, but yeah, like the 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 wild nature of like Star Ocean Two, where there were two required characters and like twelve optional ones and six party spaces, is is not something that they had the budget to ever even consider pursuing again. I thought uh, I thought three had three required characters. Three has a bunch of required oh, characters. Two. It has three. It has like two slots for optional characters and four optional characters. You're right. I'm, and they but, shuffled those around between the original and the director's cut. Yeah, but Star Ocean Two, I believe, has three required characters. No, I thought Celine was required. Nope. You can say no to her and never speak to her again. Oh. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to turn Selene away. She doesn't lock anyone else out, and uh, she just offers to join you, but you can just say no to her and end up with just running around with Claude and Raina still. You'll never see her again, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, I always try ever... to get Ophelia, but I, I, I hate trying to get her. I hate oh, Oprah? Getting... 
Or Oprah, yeah. Yeah, she's... She's probably, I think, one of the most useful characters in that game because she's, like, the only, like, kind of ranged character in the game. She's strong. Uh, the thing about her is that even by a game where only two characters are required and a bunch of others are kind of, like, optional, she's the only one... She and her boyfriend are the only ones that the game considers to be hidden. The original PS1 manual, to my recall, does not actually mention her, unlike all the others. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, there's a whole bunch of event flags you have to trip to get her, which I, I have kind of committed to memory, but I can understand finding them to be a pain in the ass. Uh, Ashton, who she is mutually exclusive with, is at least a fun character to get as a consolation. Uh, and I always enjoyed that you accidentally get dragons fused to his back, and he asks I'm you to help- you. <laughs> Yeah, while they're while they're fighting him, he turns around to talk to you, and then they fuse themselves to his back. Then uh, he demands that you help him get rid of the dragon curse that's keeping them fused to his back, because what the fuck? Uh, and so, you know, demands that you help him. And if you follow that, if you actually bother to follow that plotline to its conclusion, there's nothing that's actually forcing you to. Uh, eventually, he finds out that uh, removing the curse will kill them. And he decides he's too attached to them and keeps them. <laughs> but yeah, um, let's see. Uh, is Raven Software working on the next Call of Duty? Probably at the very least in a uh, support capacity, given how many different studios have been thrown onto that franchise. Uh, will anyone here watch the Twisted Metal show when it comes out? Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> <laughs> have, I do not I have limited time on this earth I do not need to spend it listening er, watching Samoa Joe pantomime violence while Will Arnett sings the thong song um, so yeah that's, that's a hard no for me um, I wasn't even aware of this thing being made and I could give two bananas less Okay, to hit some more questions. How many people like FF5 for anything other than the job system? I find it very charming. Uh, it's, but... not, it's not exactly a groundbreaking Final Fantasy. And that's why people tend to gra gravitate to the job system in it, is because it's really the most revolutionary thing Final Fantasy V had. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the centerpiece of the game, so it's it's sort of like asking if you take out 50% of the game, what would people still like? And it's like, well, I mean, it'd be a very different game. Uh, but in this case, I, I, I will stump for, I think it has very charming writing. It's one of the Final Fantasies that best uh, understands the level at which its story emotionally works on, which is to say very light. Uh in, in in its particular case, I mean, this is a game where the villain regenerates itself from a splinter in someone's thumb, basically. So, uh, yep. it's uh, a tree. Yeah, because he's an evil tree, uh, filled with wizard ghosts. Um, but yeah, like it's one of those things. Like I think that uh, it's very well paced and has generally stronger dungeon design than the games on either side of it. So I think there's I think there's a lot to like, but it ultimately comes back to like the job system is the core of the RPG in it. So if you don't at least like the job system, there's not a lot for you to do. 
But yeah. Um but I mean that's that's gonna be true of anything. Like I think that, you know, in a few years you're gonna have a lot of uh debate about how much people would like FF sixteen without its combat system. So let's see. Uh okay, we have movies, TV series, and games about alternate universe versions of a superhero joining uh forces. How about a game about different versions of a character written by different authors? That's really hard to do because games basically never have one author. Uh yeah, there's usually a lead writer, and then there is a number of probably like three. Writers. Yeah, if, if you care about the story, probably at least three or four other writers. To be more if exact, not more. Like in a, yeah. in a case of an MMO, like Final Fantasy XIV, has you know easily a couple dozen because of the fact that you know you have your main quest writers, which there's a, like three or four just for the main quest alone, and mm-hmm. then you have you know a number of others who are doing like the side quests. And the world building, and yeah. Uh, to get to the rest of this question, to be more exact, I've been reading Civil War and realized not just how dumb Mark Miller wa- uh, was making these characters. Uh, let's see how much, uh, but how much these characters change in the hands of other Marvel writers? What if you made a game where your characters realize things? Uh, are about to get bad, and so requests a different writer to iron out a new narrative. Getting that meta is kind of difficult, and the only people I could see even attempting to broach it would be someone like Suda51, who has, on some level, uh, referenced ideas of, like, plots going very sour. There's an entire, like, bit of backstory in No More Heroes 1, that gets fast forwarded over in game because the actual content of the backstory is fucked up enough that someone, uh, that the game is joking that if it was put in the game in an audible format, it would bump up the game's ESRB rating to an AO. Uh, and there's some, there's some other stuff, uh, just in his general Uva that, uh, expresses that he has more of a capacity to deal uh, in the meta by virtue of having a better grasp of thematics, but I don't know that you'd find many people, like, you You need someone who has that kind of appetite and a ringleader of a story that's willing to, uh, that has the capacity to make those decisions, and that's a pretty rare combo, especially in games. Uh, and Pseudo51 is kind of known for being a, a, a- Weird, even among some of the weirdest game developers. Yeah, very, very much a uh, a guy who likes to play with the concepts around the games. Yeah, uh, he, he's like Yoko Taro level. <laughs> there was a movie named Inkheart exactly about that. You can even have the characters change into different forms based on each writer's take on the characters. Uh, imagine having Kelly and Puckett's uh, badass but vulnerable Batgirl one moment, and Adam Beecham's evil blind Asian stereotype Batgirl the next, and yes, I know the blame falls square Leon Dan DiDio and uh, Eddie Braganza, the fact that it took so long for them to become persona non grata baffles me. There's a lot going on there. I, I, we don't, even when we go into comics, we don't have time to touch all that, but yeah. 
it, it's one of those things like it's it's also hard to get uh games in general haven't been as prone to alternate universes uh in this way where they're not where they're acknowledged to be very exceedingly and intentionally different takes that often uh and usually when they are there's enough of a split that at some point one version sort of goes away and doesn't get to come back anymore uh i think if you were to try to make this work in terms of games you could actually franchises that could actually do it you'd be kind of looking limited to things like prince of persia where you have a bunch of different versions of that protagonist majority of them have personalities uh they've all been written very differently and made by different teams but you run into the issue of like this would be a very creatively risky move. Um, and I don't think the AAA developers are super interested in something that uh, potentially off-putting to mass audiences. Because you both, uh, you end up in a situation where it's like, yeah, the this is a uh, situation where you're expected to have at least cursory knowledge of everything. And if you write any one of them wrong, you're going to run into, uh, you're, you're going to piss off whoever that's their favorite. There's, there's a lot of ways for that to go wrong. And I, I don't see any AAA uh, or any AAA publisher who would have an IP old enough to do this with having the appetite to try it, nor any uh, indie developer having enough of a body of work to be able to make it happen unless you do the uh, occasional meta thing that uh, people sometimes do where they pretend uh, that a number of alternate takes or uh, they pr create a fake history that may include a number of alternate takes on a character, but that doesn't have the same impact. Uh, let's see. Since the... Okay. Since the 90s, a lot of superhero comics have been about redefining what is comics and going meta. This is the risk when the next generation of writers uh, grew up as fans. I mean, we've been living some, that way for a long time. Like, the... You know, basically, I think anything post-Silver Age is being written by people who have a bone to pick with wh whoever was writing before them because the person who was writing before that person was the only one that knew how to do it right. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, I, I think that by virtue of the fact that the horrible wages of the U.S. comic industry uh, ensure that no one would ever choose it as a job who wasn't already kind of obsessed with it uh, means that this is kind of just what comics are now, at least as far as Cape Comics in the U.S. And sometimes you get good things out of that, especially when you get like someone who has interest in the characters, but Maybe works in another medium, and has and makes things called Spider Verse. Maybe that <laughs> helps. <laughs> um, let's see, I want to hit one more from this, and then do a brief rundown of what we've been playing, as well as one question from the major thing, and then the rest of these we'll hit uh, maybe next week. Uh, we get more of them. <laughs> 
Is there any game that plays with the concept of the scale of evil and a designated hero? Raise uh, the issue of Ant-Man the Wife Beater. To any Ant-Man fan, they will list all the evil things other superheroes did. To a lot of people, domestic abuse is a lot more real than Tony and Richard made a fake Thor together support for the Superhero Registration Act. So... So what if your protagonist is a complete and total jackass who nevertheless fights the bad guys? You can even make him do it for selfish reason, reasons or not give him a good ending. What if 2003's Bard Tales is serious? Uh, I think one of the best ones is actually the, of all things, the Legacy of Kane games, where the best way I ever heard those games' plots summed up was that... Uh, the sympathetic protagonist, Raziel, is always doing the wrong things for the for good reasons. And the jackass protagonist, Kane, is always doing the right things for incredibly selfish reasons. Uh, there are definitely games that sort of mess around with this idea. Uh, and we've sort of gone into it before. It's, it's a dangerous precedent to try to... It's dangerous to make it so that the protect that the audience has no sympathy for the person they're controlling, and there's also just the nature of the fact that the point of view, like the point of view in any story, is sympathetic. You are inherently seeing something from someone's perspective. Their perspective seems more reasonable, even when it's unreasonable. But and then and then as as you mentioned, there's just the fact that like the more of a real-world analog that that kind of evil has, the harder it is to put aside. So, like, yeah, Hank Pym, uh, as a domestic abuser, is much harder to get over by virtue of the fact that that's a thing real people do, whereas, like, yeah, making an evil clone or blowing up a planet, like, blowing up a planet, objectively, the evilest act ever committed, completely impossible to like countenance how you would react to that in a real person because no one's ever going to do it. So it's one of those things like uh it's it's the fictional uh fictional morality equivalent of like, you know, how many angels can dance on the head of a pen. It's like yeah, I could sit here and talk about how that's the evilest thing imaginable, but it's so outlandish that it doesn't register as real. And that's there's there's also like the the old uh, adage that in fiction being annoying is much worse than being evil. Uh, people have villains that they love seeing on the screen just to get beat down, and then there's villains that they hate seeing on screen because they just want them to go away. <laughs> Are you gonna say something? Oh, we also had to step out. I guess that's what noise he was making. Uh... Oh God. Uh, remember when Marvel made a comic where 9-11 happened and the supervillains became Twin Tower Rescuers? That is one of the funniest things that was ever put to, put to the page. Anyone ever actually read this? Sounds like it was gone and Tam has not, or is not speaking. I read what? The, uh... Marvel Comics in the wake of 9-11 where they had all of the superheroes and villains teaming up to try to help people in the wreckage of the Twin Towers and sobbing over the inhumanity of it all. I actually have one of those comics somewhere. Those are super fucking weird because it also, it always involved like, there's, I remember once seeing someone point out that like 
Doctor Doom is like fucking crying in the in one of those, and it's like, motherfucker, you tried to you tried to blow up these towers like six months ago. <laughs> it is. It was one of those things. Well, where was... so here here's a take, and it's probably a little bit of a hot take too, and depends on who you ask, because there are definitely people who will not fall into this. But I think some people, when confronted with an overwhelming tragedy will have a response that is not normal for them. It's true, but at the same time you run into this situation where it's like, it was probably not the right set of characters to attempt that with. Oh yeah, I'm not d disagreeing on that point, but you know, it's um, I'm, I'm going to say um, I'm going to bring it to current events if I may. No. <laughs> So, the 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 whole thing with that submersible with the Titanic this week. Mm -hmm. Everybody was holding out hope, or a lot of people were holding out hope that hey, they, you know they could oh, survive. They, they were dead going out, but they, I was like, as soon as I saw those reports, I'm like, they're dead. They're mm -hmm. dead. They are completely obliterated. They are f like fish food. I know that for, t and I, I can say that reliably for two reasons. One, the PSI at that point, you know, pounds per square inch, was astronomical. Many atmospheres of pressure. Yeah. Well, actually, it's because um, we had this discussion on our Discord today. I know the crush, you know, there are submersibles that can go down very low. They are highly, highly engineered vessels. Mm -hmm. However, the standard submarine, if you think just normal submarine, which are usually military submarines, they have a very specific crush depth. I will not say what that is. That is top secret information, and I would mm -hmm. be arrested. I know what it is, but I will not say it. Mm-hmm. The Titanic uh, is much, much deeper than that. I will say, I can say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's, it's they, one of they those were things done. like <laughs> they they were they were definitely playing with fire by even attempting that. And I and I saw the and I saw that device, and I'm like, that no. <laughs> I was like, I would not trust that thing down 500 feet! <laughs> mm -hmm. it, I mean, um, it looked like the most jerry-rigged POS I've ever seen. Yeah, it's, uh... It was not an altogether surprising outcome. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, I want to hit one thing from our, from our list of questions uh, from the that I have kept on my computer to make sure that we continue to uh, winnow that away. The other uh, questions that Fireminer asked, we will address next week. Um, but it's getting a bit late, so I want to just get closer to wrapping this up. Although we did make a decent... Yeah, we made a decent... The, one, yeah. the ones you posted this week. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh... Is there any games that were made so cheap the developers decided to ham it up? 
Uh, I can definitely think of games that are definitely essentially shit posts. <laughs> uh, things like uh, the infamous trio, the punch, never forget. Is it never forget me? I think that's what it's called. I've, I've not even heard of this one. Yeah, it's a weird old Data East arcade game. Yeah, Trio the Punch, Never Forget Me. Uh, it's a weird old Data East arcade game, and it in Japan. In Japan, it's a uh, it's a beloved kusoge, uh, and but it's very specifically like you play it, and it's like they knew that this sucked. They the joke was that this sucks. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a weird nonsensical beat-em-up uh it it doesn't play good it's very like levels are of wildly varying uh durations completely uh incoherent aesthetics uh a lot of stuff is just there just because it's funny that this happens uh it's it's just supposed to be weird uh and it it kind of works, uh, but you know it is very much a game that like they they just were like eh, whatever, <laughs> whatever, who cares, whatever, <laughs> just do weird shit. Uh, so yeah, if, if you want to see the closest I can think of to that, like Tree of the Punch would be the immediate uh, choice there. Uh, Yeah. Um, trying to think, are there any others I can think of where, you know, off the top of my head, that's just a developer just sort of doing whatever. Uh, Anything by Suda Fifty One? No, he's always got much more concrete ideas in him, even if he's working on a like Suda Fifty One's games are low budget, but they're definitely like while they have. A lot of them have jokes in them. They are not shit posts in that way. Uh, like, I, I guess the closest you could come up with is uh, the first time that he was handed the reins of writing something, which was like Fire Pro Wrestling 3 Special, uh, which is the wrestling game that infamously ends with your character uh, determining that... Uh, the like once you get the title belt, your character determines that he was using wrestling as a way of avoiding processing his own grief and taking his own life. Oh, it's great. a very dark ending that comes completely out of left field for the entire franchise, uh, and is is as Suda Fifty One as it gets, but definitely not a shit post so much as a very strange choice. Uh, let's see. Anyone ever buy a Logitech console controller for gaming? Not a once, though. I had a few recommended to me back in the age when first-party controllers were not wireless. There were some decent PS2 wireless controllers that Logitech made. But that's about it. I've, I've had. Uh, I, I think. Yeah. I think right. I have one somewhere. I had a Logitech controller for PC. It was what the F one fifty or something like that, and that yeah. was back before PC had any support whatsoever for like 
at, at that time, you couldn't just plug in an Xbox 360 or PS3 controller. You needed other software, and Steam didn't well, have all the profiles. For, even back then, for PlayStation soft, uh, even back then for the PlayStation controllers, you needed third-party software. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, same. Same with me. The the one I had was like PS2 era. Yep. Mm. Uh, S corporations. No, I was just going to say, now you can just get an Xbox One controller for Windows, and that's your best option, and and then Steam can pick up a DualSense, no problem, or even a Switch Pro controller. Yeah, I use a a PS5 controller for mine. Yep. Okay. Uh, So. We'll hit one more. As corporations are more and more protective of their franchises, the age of adaptations being made cheap and silly over. In my opinion, greatest barriers to anything like Super Friends or Japanese Spider-Man being made today is that they look too cheap. It's not an image any IP holder would want to advertise about their properties. It's like, yeah, it's it's approval. It's approval. Like, one of the things that's going to be written into basically any licensing contract nowadays would be approval rights, or it's just like... If we don't like how this looks, it's gone. It's it's uh, it's over. You're not. Uh, you're, it's okay. if we consider it to be damaging to the brand, uh, okay. and you know the the general like nature of every company tries to be an IP company now means that that means that basically anything is going to get uh, a heavy uh, once over just to make sure that it won't embarrass the IP holder. Uh, and you can Nintendo you can, goes after ROM hacks and stuff so hard. No, that's different. This is about official oh. licensees. Oh, okay. Because okay. like, in a, when when you license an IP, you almost always one of the things that will be written into the contract is basically that the owner of the IP gets final say over it. So like, if they say something is wrong, they have if they say that there's something wrong, you have the right to go back and try to fix it so that they say it's okay. But they have the right to say that if you don't do that, it doesn't get to come out. Okay. Uh, and like you can see that going back in the game industry, like they start getting uh, more conscientious about what is acceptable for licensed comic book games around the early aughts. Uh, Mid to Mar- early aughts, anyways. Uh, uh, there's at least one Marvel game that was canceled in 2002 because the uh, because Marvel disapproved of the what they had made. Um, but uh, yeah, and then DC gets back together after the uh, twin disasters of Batman: Dark Tomorrow and uh, Aquaman: Battle for Atlantis. They start taking their games a little more seriously. Um, then uh, you know the the LucasArts reign of just like pumping out a Star Wars version of whatever genre happens to be popular starts to go away. Like these big IPs, they become much more gun shy about making something that's embarrassing, like Superman sixty four, Star Wars Masters of Terrorskazi, or uh, Iron Man Exo Man of War in heavy metal. Like those kinds of things, they stop happening because they're embarrassing. They devalue the brand by existing. <laughs> Uh, so they get much more choosy about who they license to and much more choosy about what they allow to be done with those licenses. Um, and so 
you can probably get them on board with silly. You probably can't get them on board with cheap, at least not the kind of cheap that gets, uh, like, there's certain kinds of cheap you can get away with, but they're like app cheap, where it's like we're using stock art uh, that the license holder provided rather than making new versions of these things, like that sort of thing. But By like, the way, I'm watching the um, RP Gamer stream, is, is and the video is not there. Is Wheels alive? Wheels seems to be putting a child down to his uh, bed, so... Okay. Yeah. Uh, and Which Wheels... I, I would understand, you know, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he's in an empty chair on his stream, so... Or, okay. like, the chair is empty on his stream, so he's, he's out doing a thing. Um, but, yeah, so... Yeah, I guess we're going to have to just uh, close it up uh, now and because, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty late and I don't think we're getting wheels back. So uh, let's just close this out. Uh, Gaijin was not able to be here today. Uh, hopefully we can have him back next week, but we'll see. Um, but uh, I'm sure that uh, whatever ails him uh, seeing a nice... A uh, new review for uh, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor would probably help. Uh, that is available on Amazon via Kindle or Kindle Unlimited. Uh, as uh, uh, by searching for Michael Yarimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U. Uh, I believe it's eleven main sort of novellas count and counting uh, available in Kindle and Kindle Unlimited and Dead Tree format. And there's also like the uh, doorstopper of a paralogue and uh, additional and sundry. But oh, hey, wheels came back. Yeah. Sorry, just starting to close things out. Oh, um, that's good. I got a mild stomach ache, so let's let's shut oh, this yeah. thing down. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm you fine. Can... Just mix of eating crap the past few days, but yeah, I need gotcha, to just go on. Okay, then let's get this done. Okay. Uh, but yeah, you can find that on Kindle or Kindle on Amazon, uh, Kindle or Kindle Unlimited, or uh, printable on. I believe it's a form of print on demand. Uh, and yeah, uh, Gaijin was not able to make it. Seems to be a little under the weather. So you know, uh, if you can, uh, give that a read. Give that a nice review. Uh, I'm sure that'd perk him up. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you enjoy. Uh, the concept of meta narratives around role playing that are so much the rage these days. Uh, get your fill with, uh, you know, fun, actual sympathetic characters rather than whatever streamer monsters you're watching. Uh, <laughs> Unless it's RP Gamer. Yeah, not even just RP Gamer. Uh, but yeah. Uh, Joe, tell us about your Twitch and YouTube. So you can catch me on Twitch and YouTube under <laughs> Smoke and Joe Gamer. And um, I like to stream three or four times a week. I try to stay to a schedule. I don't always keep it, though. But I've been trying to do Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Start somewhere between 8 and 10 and go until somewhere between 9 and 11 or 11.30. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, Eastern Standard Time. I'm on the East Coast. I'm from New England. Yeah. And... Basically, uh, recently I've been playing some old Sega Genesis games, so I did Beyond Oasis, I did uh, a bunch of other games, and then... Uh, do Crusader of Santi. Yeah, <laughs> I may want to do that. Yes. That's a good game. <laughs> so, 
Um, yeah, so you can catch that. Um, and then I did I streamed some Cyberpunk a while back and some Tears of the Kingdom. And then I just got Final Fantasy 16 today. Um, mm. And I guess I can pick up where I left off from the demo. So mm. I'm going to stream that at some point. Next month, I want to do like JRPG July. Seems like oh, a good, good idea. idea. So then I'm trying to finish Xenoblade Chronicles 2 so I can start 3. Um, you were talking about the Tales of games. I haven't played too many of those games, but maybe I'll do some Tales of Arise next month. That might be cool. That's a good one. On that, one's, that one's pretty good. I'll, I'll give you a warning. Um, there are monsters in that game that are very much uh, health pool sponges. Just so, so you have that expectation. Yeah, so I stream all sorts of games, but yeah, next month I want to focus on some JRPGs and Final, so Final Fantasy 16, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, um, Tales of Arise, and um then i yeah and i like to do genesis games so whatever come hang out and chat just don't be a dick you know that's all that's the rule <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good uh, set of rules to live by yeah <laughs> so. uh, speaking of streaming and jrpg july so um i am the mighty tam and uh i am one of several people who stream on our on the official RP Gamer stream, uh, Twitch channel, and uh, actually, a couple of us have already uh, started into JRPG July. So, uh, pause. Pause has already started it. Um, I'm using the tag as well. So, uh, but we have a lot of different people who stream a variety of different games. Uh, so. I actually just finished up Atelier Iris Eternal Mana this morning and jumped into uh, the adventure game plus little bit RPG that is Galaxy Fraulein Yuna. Hmm. Wow, there's one. <laughs> <laughs> For the TurboGrafx-16, I spent an yeah, hour on... Yeah, uh, I was not expecting to hear that name. <laughs> Well, I have the OVA, so I've been interested in playing it for years because I was like, this makes no sense. Where did all these characters come from? So, yeah, I'm, I'm playing the original Galaxy Fraulein Yuna because the story of Galaxy Fraulein Yuna goes Game 1, Game 2, OVA 1, OVA 2, Game 3, which is a tactical RPG. Okay, so um, we've got uh, our our leader, our owner, Pause. She's doing uh, Persona Three Portable right now. Uh, we've got uh, Hair Frog, who's sort of in charge of our streaming. He's doing Disgaea Three. He, he's trying to finish. All, he's trying to beat Bale in every Disgaea game. Interesting. So that's. Uh... That's a lot to not to put yourself through. <laughs> hey, he's all he's he's already he's already into the third game on this. So, I mean, I respect it. <laughs> yeah, because he's doing it not all on stream. He's he's doing a yeah. lot of grinding off stream, but he he's been that's enjoying cool. it. So that that's mm -hmm. what matters. So yeah. and uh, let's see, we have Peter who's doing uh, Final Fantasy twelve, uh, Zodiac Age. Uh, we have Spare Ombres. I'm not sure what Spare's playing, because I think he is either ju he just beat Labyrinth of Refane, or he is going to be beating it very soon. So he he's very close to the end of that one. I'm not sure what's next, but he is he does a show called 
spare diving or uh, dungeon crawling for spare parts. We also oh, have yeah. yeah. Uh, we have uh, Scar, who's uh, Tuesdays and Fridays does a retro RPG wheel. Uh, he's down to the last uh, handful of SNES games that are currently on his uh, mini before he uh, rotates a bunch of games out. Um, he wants to beat all the ones currently on there before he uh, loads up a whole brand new wheel. Unfortunately, Fire Emblem is going to be the longest. He said. <laughs> He's well. He's he's beaten a lot of games. He's be, he beat four games in the last three weeks, off of it. So that have been so. It's it's a slow process because it's a wheel. You spin the wheel, it selects the game. So yeah, always uh, there's always a lot of content that we have going on. Um, so definitely take a look. Uh, you know, on our Twitch channel again, Twitch.tv/RPGamer. Um, you know, and we do try and like save our. Vi we have a number of highlights there too, so you can catch. Uh, previous streams of games, and uh, a lot of times, if we can, we'll put up the full playthroughs. So, uh, anyone else have anything? Sunday shenanigans. Uh, yep. Been playing lots of Street Fighter, and we'll probably continue to do so for a while. Yeah, I think I was asleep. No, that's right. This week I was. I had uh, internet issues like all day. I didn't have internet issues. On Sunday, it was great. I didn't Horrific. disconnect at all. Yeah, the dream. Yeah, I, I crashed six times in four hours. Oh, that awful. That's terrible. It's like being sent to hell. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, you can catch us uh, at Sunday nights around uh, midnight Eastern, nine Pacific. Uh, recently. We've been playing a lot of Street Fighter. Uh, that's likely not to completely change in the future, mm -hmm. even if other things get leavened in at various points. Uh, but otherwise, uh, you can ask us questions. You can ask them in the chat, as dear friend Fireminer did this uh, week. You can also ask them in the Discord, as dear friend Fireminer did this week. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll are... get to them all eventually. Yeah, the, they will happen. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you want to join the Discord so that you can ask us questions or do other things. Uh, have you gotten to Diamond in SF6? Absolutely not. Um, but yeah, uh, you can, uh, if you want to ask us questions via the Discord, you can join the Discord by going to the community section of RP Gamer. There's a Discord invite there. And even if you don't want to ask us questions, it's a lovely community that I recommend joining either way. Uh, as for uh, as for anything else, I think we're about done. So see you, Space Cowboys. See ya. Bye. Ah. <sighs>